been a while since we've had that sound and been a while since we needed it uh and we're back hi welcome to another breaking news episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike and mike the alarm's going off so that means something's going on everybody panic (laughs) (laughs) this is insane isn't it this is i i mean you know what was funny is Scott Feinberg, it was the first mm-hmm. tweet I saw about it, and I retweeted it, and it was as it was getting close to one uh, thirty p.m. Eastern time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time is when this news was going to drop online, and he said, get ready for some Hollywood shaking news. And I was like, who got caught in a sex scandal now? Or like, what <laughs> dumb decision did somebody make? No, this is actually like industry shaking news. Like movie theaters may be dead, and <laughs> streaming may be it, and we're all staying home, I mm-hmm. guess, is what's going to happen. Like, the only time I get out is when I go to the movies, Mike. I don't know about you. I hope you so, enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I am a hermit now. Yes. That is it. So this is what we're talking about. Warner Brothers announced today, as we record this December 3rd, that they are moving their entire 2021, or as it's better known, next year's film slate to a day and date domestic release strategy that includes U.S. theaters and, and this is the big change, simultaneous streaming premieres on the streaming service HBO Max. So Warner Brothers is taking all of their films in the U.S. domestically, and instead of putting them in theaters, they will be both on theaters and on demand on their premiere dates. Uh, The second prong of this is that films will be released in theaters and simultaneously on HBO Max for a 31-day a window, thereby completely smashing any semblance of release windows that theaters and studios have agreed to and used as a paradigm for decades. Michael, did this get you through your Thursday? This uh, shook me to my core <laughs> because I am now immortal, as, as we all know, because I got through COVID and I've been at the movies like every other night. Over the past mm-hmm. uh, week since my quarantine, according to all my uh, contact tracers, who I had, you know, formed a nice, you know, nightly relationship <laughs> with via text. I, you know, I oh, had, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I had really good conversations, like maybe the second best conversations I've had. Really the first best because you and I weren't talking. Well, I was going to say number one has to be either Madi or Andrew <laughs> or like anybody else that's not me. So other than Madi and Andrew, because right. you and I weren't talking because <laughs> you were sick or lost your voice or whatever was happening. And I, you know, I had my issues as well. So, yeah, I mean, the contact tracers told me I could finally go back to the movies on Black Friday. And I've been there every other night, almost every night since. And now, what am I looking at? What am I looking at in terms of domestic movie theater going? But uh, let us let, let me finish up the news for a second here. Uh, like Wonder Woman 84, these 17 additional films from WB for the 2021 slate, they will not go direct to streaming overseas. They will mm-hmm. not go direct to streaming in Canada, as you're going to talk about in a second. But rather, they're going directly to movie theaters in international markets, Michael. And I think it's important to understate or underline they are going to theaters here domestically as well. It's just that there's now the big change is the they're going to have a 31 day life period to exist on HBO Max the same day that we have the theatrical rollout. So this whole theatrical window, I guess, as far as Warner Brothers films are concerned, at least for 2021. And we're going to talk about all this and some questions that come with it is no longer. 
Yeah, and it's supposedly a one-year model. At least that's how it was uh, stated Mm -hmm. in the press release 100,000 times where the, quote, hybrid model was created as a strategic response to the impact of the ongoing global pandemic. No duh. But uh, look, I think I think it's worthwhile to quote and to shout out some of these uh, these writers who did great work today uh, at The Hollywood Reporter, Pamela McClintock, mm-hmm. at IndieWire, Zach Scharf, at Variety, Rebecca Rubin and Matt Donnelly, and at Deadline, Anthony D'Alessandro. I mean, we've been scouring over these reports yeah. over the last uh, hour or so, Michael, and uh, we do want to you know quote them a little bit here help paint the picture. So here's some quotes to get through uh, and help maybe recontextualize some of what the hell's going on before Mike and I start spouting off at the mouth and talking about end times. And don't worry, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I haven't been more right about anything that I have about the movie industry. So let's get into it with the professionals first from IndieWire, Zach Sharp, quote, With this unique one-year plan, we can support our partners in exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. That from Warner Brothers CEO Ann Sarnoff. She continues to say, We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to these circumstances. So we agree with some, maybe none of that. Or Do you think she was some... wearing the blood that splattered out from the theaters while she was holding that knife? Yeah, the or... whole phrase win-win needs to be retired in this instance because let's be honest with domestic movie theater chain operators, movie theater mom and pop owners. Mm. This is not a win for them. This could be a win for the giant chains. It could be a win for a conglomerate to come in and, you know, change the theatrical experience. Again, we're going to touch on it. This is not a win for independent theaters. I mean, I I can see the argument of, and some, I forget who it was. I think it was the Alessandro. One of them commented on how AMC actually issued 200 million plus shares of stock today as well. But I could see the argument that the theaters are going to get some revenue they wouldn't have otherwise. But yeah, this you were is, saying AMC was kind of happy about this, or somebody said AMC one, was yeah, happy about these, this? Yeah, one of these these four articles was, was trying to make that case. So th- that makes no sense to me, because they're getting domestic scraps, because let's mm-hmm. be honest, if this is available through a regularly owned uh, streaming service that uh, is the whole plan, is the whole mm-hmm. uh, basis for the plan at WB, then why would, like, why would you go to see Wonder Woman in theaters rather than watch it just based on your regular uh, yeah, streaming not, service. Not that I've left my house in the past 10 months, but I'm never leaving again if this is how the future is going to be. I mean, why would I? Yeah, I mean, theatrical nerds like us might go and say, all right, I got to see Wonder Woman in theaters. I'll pay the extra $13 at the end of the day on top of my $16 a month subscription HBO Max. But I don't think the casual viewer is going to do that. They're going to watch the movie at home, period, end of story. And the ultimate theatrical rake is going to be minuscule compared to what it would have made, uh, you know, just being uh, released exclusively in theaters. I mean, the day and date is not going to necessarily work at large domestically. I said to our buddy Ryan McQuaid on, on Twitter, I was like, to me, what this is, is WB tapping out of caring about saving theaters whatsoever. I mean, they're they're opting out of, of giving a hoot as to whether theaters in America live or die. I truly believe that because obviously they've done some sort of, you know, 
diagnosis and, and analyzation to figure out the numbers they need to hit and what that would mean in terms of being able to recoup enough if they did everything through HBO Max versus worrying about theatrical receipts. Yeah, to say it's a win-win for film lovers, it can't I, be. you know, fine, but film lovers love movie theaters right. and they love exhibitors. I don't think it's a win-win for exhibitors, and I'm really I'm really perturbed by this analysis from AMC. Like wherever that's coming from, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I know AMC exists overseas and they are going to get exclusivity. Yeah, I realize that they're going to get a larger cut in movie theaters and maybe that offsets some of the ultimate losses that they would have made if these movies were exclusively released in theaters and yeah i think amc is trying to push this shorter window model and they're believing in that Mm -hmm. for some strange idiotic reason (laughs) that i don't understand yeah that's what i was going to follow up with is you know amc doing something questionable this wouldn't be the first time we criticize them for that but then again uh they see something here i'm with you i don't see it and also as far as calling it a win-win look if wb and this is something we harped on about for months as well if wb truly cared about saving theaters and theatrical experience they would have rolled out wonder woman 84 on top of tenet or they would have rolled out wonder woman 84 instead of tenet in the first place yeah this isn't a win-win this is saving some of the money that could go all to theaters exclusively for yourself you're, you're hogging more of the pie or they would cut the theaters in on their streaming service in a sure. big way sure and yeah. maybe then the day and date would make more sense and i don't know maybe that's in the fine print somewhere here where hbo max is going to give money to movie theaters in order to break the windows i doubt it i didn't read anything to that effect here michael but uh let's let's keep going with the quotes and we got a lot of big questions that we're going to try and tie in everything at the end of the day this is just kind of the appetizer and Mm -hmm. And now that I can taste again, I'm really enjoying appetizers over the last I few days. I go for some fried mutts right now, if I'm being honest. I am not against uh, that either. But uh, all right, listen. Should we just hit stop and go eat? We should probably just uh, wipe the sweat off our brows <laughs> that you're mentioning fried mutts. <laughs> Let's talk about HBO Max subscription numbers, Mike. Yes. D'Alessandro on the Deadline article, he says, The new streaming services hurdle has been distribution. With only, get this, this is a crazy stat, Mm -hmm. with only 8.6 million accounts activated, but another 28.7 million not switched on, even though there's no cost HBO Max access to current HBO subscribers. So this is much more dire than we ever thought, Michael. We know that Disney Plus is at 73 million last we checked. We know that Netflix is at 193 million worldwide subscribers last we were told, and which is like quarters ago. So we know they're even higher than that now. So to learn that HBO Max has a measly 8.6 million accounts activated that are being watched by people out there and that everybody else is still on HBO, the 28.7 million, that is a real number. They have HBO accounts on their you know, cable services there that automatically give them both Max and HBO, for not for free, but if you have HBO, you also get Max. But the fact that they don't have tens of millions of subscribers yet for HBO Max is mind-blowing. Yeah, stop me if you've heard me say this before, but the HBO Max rollout has been extremely uh, befuddling to me. It's It's been, and I kind of blame those numbers for that. It's been 
subpar, uh, to say the least. And I think these numbers are a reflection of that. When you are only able to act, you're giving away your product for the most part. For people who are already paying for it, yeah. and whether it's a lack of information or a lack of intelligence about the subject or whatever if you can only activate let just under it's 29.9 percent 8.6 divided by uh well it's actually less than that so if you can only activate you know around 25 30 percent of your base to actually take part in something that they're paying for anyway there's a problem in the, the matrix there right they i i put this at the feet of hbo and warners i i haven't seen a cohesive rollout plan for HBO Max, even though it debuted about more than half a year ago at this point. I actually think 8.6 active million active users, they should be a little happy about that, considering how it's looked in, in terms of marketing to me. Well, I don't think they're happy in the sense of how much they've invested into the content. No, covered, nor should they be. Nor should they be. We've covered the South Park buy, we've covered the Friends buy, and we know that those numbers are, you know, basically add them together, and that's like a billion dollars right there. And never mind all the other content that they've had to purchase separate of their own library that they can no longer sell elsewhere, that they choose to no longer sell elsewhere because they have it exclusively on HBO Max because they need to have it exclusively on HBO Max. Never mind the fact that they have original content, which I'm sure they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions mm -hmm. of dollars on as well. So 8.6 million activated accounts at that $16 a month is not necessarily going to get you... $10 billion. It'll, it'll get you, as I'll talk about with my math in a few minutes, it'll get you maybe $1.5 billion. So the, <laughs> it's not a good, you know, it's not good math thus far. They need to get in the tens of millions of activated subscriptions year, you know, long subscriptions that, that stick and that last through this subscriber bubble of the pandemic and beyond if they want to start raking in the big money. And this is not just an imperative at the streaming wars level, this is an, an imperative right now with the lack of income coming to AT&T at a conglomerate level, right. I'm guessing. So right, yeah. we're going to have a lot of burning questions coming up, Mike. But I, I also think it's it's important to note that this quote continues from D'Alessandro. Third-party distribution has also been a bottleneck, though the company recently reached a deal with Amazon Fire TV. So again, you know, HBO Max has had issues because they haven't been on all platforms. And uh, to finish the quote, finally, longest quote ever, Roku, <laughs> which has 46 million active accounts, is another top-tier streaming venue where HBO Max is not yet available, per D'Alessandro. My God. And they've been getting killed for not being on Roku, or at least I've seen a lot of people on film Twitter and Twitter in general. And the numbers, I, I bungled, and that's my fault for doing math in real time and not ahead of time. The numbers are even more dire than I thought. So 8.6 out of what is actually going to be, what, 37.3 million total people? That's 23%. So 23% of people who are paying for HBO Max, whether they even realize it or not, are active users. That's less than one out of every four people. That's it's, it's a, that's embarrassing, and it kind of should be. I understand the idea that you know you're getting money for free at a certain point if you are Warner Brothers or you are HBO, and you kind of like that. But you can be so much more. HBO Max has the ability to be, I think, the number two streaming option, or at least has the content to be. Who knows if they ever actually will catch Disney and Disney Plus? But I think they have the content and the depth of content and the variety of content to be a home for people who want whatever, who are into any kind of genre. I've watched all of Rick and Morty there. I was mm -hmm. just watching The Flight Attendant on there last night. You and I both watched Citizen Kane there. We've watched a lot yeah. of 
you know, classics and Criterion Collection films. We've watched watched a lot of anime over there. We've watched uh, a lot of classic WB movies on yeah. the streaming service. We have lauded HBO Max for its movie library. It really has an awesome selection that people and movie lovers in particular should love. But I guess we're going to talk about what brings people into the door and what keeps them because... I think new content is is where they're gonna you know putting their where they're putting their eggs and yeah. there's a basket there's eggs I'm really f- screwing up this uh, this metaphor here Michael it's because but you have to dip the mozzarella into right. the eggs that's and then right. cover them in breadcrumbs before you put them in the fryer you see is what let's talk Agreed. about Disney Plus I'm, I'm finally with you you saved my metaphor <laughs> you're welcome oh the quote from Ruben and Donnelly talking about Disney Plus and Warner's view of Disney from Variety their article in Variety I should say quote one of Warner Media's key rivals the Walt Disney Company has strengthened its share price because of its investment in streaming offerings such as Disney Plus even as its core theme parks and film businesses have cratered Warner Media and its corporate parent AT&T are likely making the move with an eye toward pleasing Wall Street okay um Look, you're going to ask a question about why in terms of the timing of this. It's a question I also asked the yeah. last time we had an ORC covering Wonder Woman coming out when it is coming out. And I think it's a question that we should ask and investigate. But it's clear from quotes like this and this type of move, Warner has concerns about I guess let me phrase it a different way. Do you think Warner has concerns about HBO Max or do you think this is them capitalizing on what they see as an opportunity for HBO Max? The way I read this quote, and it, Wall Street aside, because Wall Street's going to react and overreact, and yes, of course it matters, in mm-hmm. my opinion, but ultimately Wall Street's going to even out, you would think, based on the level of business that the company is doing. And it's you know you can get bubbles on Wall Street, but it's ultimately going to even out, I would think, I would hope. But I, the way I read this quote is that uh, they're seeing the ceiling of Disney Plus and they're seeing what Disney is able to do and how Disney is able to stay afloat because of 73 million subscribers. They're mm-hmm. they're all seeing and probably just envious of no, to, to, to no end what Netflix is doing and we're watching what Netflix is doing. If we're following the money and we're looking at their last year reports of making $5 billion on $20, million, uh, $20 billion worth of content and $15 billion worth of uh you know, investment, my God, those are big macro numbers. Mm-hmm. And if we're seeing 99 million views of uh, the new action movie on Netflix in its first month, we're seeing viewership numbers that dwarf theatrical movie going. We're seeing viewership numbers that probably dwarf most you know, ratings on television. I mean, we, what's good? What's a good rating on a, on a night of TV? Is it 10 million? I mean, that would be a huge number, right? That's, that's a giant number right yeah, now. Yeah, 4 million is, is incredible for a sporting mm-hmm. event, right? So basically, the viewership numbers on Netflix in a short span of time for these original movies are gluing their subscribers to Netflix, so they're they're seeing this over at Warner Media, and they're seeing what Disney did it, from July with Hamilton through Mulan to October, when we talked about the the Wonder Woman move, and and you know a couple episodes ago, we're seeing that Disney Plus made thirteen million in ter- in terms of their gains of subscribers from that short period of time. So what did it? I don't know. I think it's new content from The Mandalorian, Mulan, and uh, <clears throat> certainly Hamilton. 
And if that's what does drive people, like you theorize, and we will talk more about here, if, if new content is what does drive people to bring in, you know, pick up a new subscription or try a new streaming service, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a giant opportunity for Warner Brothers and for AT&T and HBO Max in general. Before we move on, you kind of alluded to this already. I just wanted to shout out a little bit of a different take uh, mm-hmm. from what's going on and how it affects not only us in America, but our, our brothers up there to the north, the Canadian market. Our friend Stacy, a listener here, uh, put us on to this thread uh, from Barry Hertz, who wanted to make it known that Canada doesn't have HBO Max or Hulu quote from Barry Hertz's thread on Twitter uh, Canada doesn't have HBO Max or Hulu and we don't get everything US Netflix does so far some HBO Max stuff ends up here on Crave but not everything including Wonder Woman 1984 which will only a bit be available at home here after the traditional 90 day theatrical window so there's going to be a question as to whether or not you know, when we talk about domestic, we're not even talking about North America. We're just talking about America. So it's going to be a question as to whether or not HBO is even going to make those things available to, to other parts of North America ahead of time. Or they're just going to say, you know, too bad, so sad. Kind of the ways Warner Brothers, we think, is looking at theaters in general in America right now. Not to say that theaters in Canada are doing any better, which is another point that, that Hertz goes on to mention in his thread. But it, it, there's opportunities all over to make money if this is the way that WB is going to do it. It's just a matter of if they're actually going to take advantage of it. So to me, this sounds and it reeks of negotiations, right? You, you think so? You, you were talking pre-show about Crave and their streaming mm-hmm. service and how there's no financial incentive for HBO and for Warner Brothers to put their stuff on there as well. That's part even of Hertz's though. thread, yep. Right, so... Basically, it sounds to me like they want to be cut in <laughs> to, to Crave's profit. I, I, like, I don't even know if that's the machination of it. But bottom line is, or my, my guess at the bottom line is that, <laughs> you Good know, catch. HBO and, and HBO Max, they're, they're looking for incentives to get out there. I mean, they're having enough trouble getting on Roku and Amazon Prime uh, here in America. So they're looking for incentives to to be able to give that market the, these films. And they, they have to give the market these films. They want to be in every market. Why would they ignore that market? That yeah. would be extremely foolish, I would say. So I'm just guessing that everybody's posturing in, in order to, to get a piece of that market. I just wish I knew what was going on inside the heads of H, the, the, the HBO Max offices right now. Do they see themselves as viable contenders in the streaming place already? Or do they see themselves as let's perfect America first before we worry about this international, you know, being a global hit like we can be. I, I wonder, I, I just wish I knew if they saw themselves as going one way or the other, or are they just full bore and saying, you know, we we can take Disney Plus spot. I don't think, we, we talked beforehand, I don't think they could take Netflix's spot. I don't think anyone can challenge Netflix in the streaming wars right now. Netflix is kind of on a totally different realm for a number of reasons, uh, but I think number two could be absolutely up for grabs, and I think that's what the streaming wars could ultimately be about. Well, they need to get in the game, though. Like, yeah. if you only have right. 8 million activated right. subs right now, right. you're not in the game right. against 73 and 193. I mean, you right. need to get to 50. And mm-hmm. I'm sure they're trying to activate, you know, enough subscribers uh, from their HBO, their regular HBO subs, and then they're also trying to add new people with the new content. So it makes no sense that they would leave out Canada because of some kind of, you know, litigation, you know, fine print 
Mm. I mean, they're going to have to bring Canada, and it makes no sense why they wouldn't. Anyway, I, you know, I'm very curious to follow that story. My guess is it's all posturing, and they'll eventually figure it out. But uh, and, and they'll figure it out in time for the 17th film slate, especially with Wonder, really the 18th film with Wonder Woman starting it off. So it makes True. no sense that they would ignore that market and ignore potentially, you know, millions of subscribers. It makes no sense. I tend to agree with you. Again, I just wish I knew what was going on for sure. And we're going to run down each of the uh, 17-18 films that you will be seeing if you have HBO Max right now in your living room. Uh, we can start off. We have a bunch of questions. Let's mm-hmm. set the table and talk about some macro numbers with two preliminary questions, Michael. Yeah, these are two preliminary questions that will lead to more questions that will ultimately <laughs> lead to another huge question-asking ask- segment. And, oh, no, I've gone cross-eyed. Yeah. Okay. Preliminary question number one, A portion one <laughs> small letter i period <laughs> do movie theaters worldwide block this michael could we mm-hmm. get intense negotiations that will then force wb because they seem to have played this close to the vest that would then cl- force wb to either take meager theatrical profits and completely change their revenues overseas or force them to change their minds However, I mean, the obvious caveat is even if they did play this close to the vest, I'm guessing that this fight already happened and WB Mm. HBO Max already won. What do you think? That's where I would tend to lean as well. I think this has already been decided. I don't imagine like if WB wanted to play this piecemeal, then why wouldn't they just stop at saying we're going to, you know, we're putting Wonder Woman 84 out on HBO Max, see how those numbers do, and then come out and make this announcement. They're going full bore right now, announcing not just part of a slate, not just a couple movies, but their entire theatrical slate. I think this is a decision there's no turning back from, would be my guess. Now, we do talk often about how the international market heavily outweighs uh, anything any movie does in domestic theaters anymore anyway. You know, if AMC gets pissed off and stomps their feet, do they have any kind of leeway to start anything with Warner Brothers? Well, AMC, I don't think HBO. I don't think they have the money to do that right now to fight them in court. AMC is already happy about this, though, according to someone. According and that's to someone. The, yeah, and that's the other side of this. Is, no if sense. AMC is happy getting pittance, if AMC is happy getting any kind of money right now, they're happy in their own demise. I feel like. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe they know something we really do not at this stage with these macro numbers. I mean, there could be James Bond, Spectre-like Illuminati meetings going on all across <laughs> the world. There's Zoom meetings, unlike the, right. the, the Spectre meeting we talked about. But all right, all right. Preliminary question, and this is a series of questions, number two. Why I3C. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Why does WB have to do this now? Like, yeah. what is the incentive this minute and to announce a full year ahead of time uh in terms of their slate going over there what why are 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 they doing this now are they in dire need of the profits now and therefore that's a bigger question for at&t right or Mm -hmm. do they feel like they need to capitalize on hbo max and the watch at home window during this pandemic now and they're thinking of viewers and they're thinking of those opportunities and they're thinking of the boost in subs or i guess the other caveat here is did they already get a boost from announcing wonder woman 1984 and that gave them a ton of confidence in the market keep the ball rolling so I, i again i think it's To answer whether it's option A or option B is to ask yourself if 
if there's dire straits in AT&T right now, or if they view this pandemic as a, as a total opportunity to kind of do an entire paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. To say it's option three is basically Warner Brothers doing what they probably should have done if they did care about saving theaters in theaters, is to put good news on top of good news. You could have put Wonder Woman on top of Tenant or Tenant on top of Wonder Woman, blah, vice versa, but they're keeping it all in-house now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to be the answer. Mm-hmm. Um why do they have to do it now in December or you know or January? Whenever you want to talk about Wonder Woman coming out, it comes out Christmas Day. Why is this the imperative now? I have no idea. It's the same thing I said when we were talking about Wonder Woman going to HBO Max in the first place. I don't understand the timing of this other than to think Warner Brothers must have done their research and is convinced that the pandemic is going to keep going and is convinced that theaters aren't going to come back anytime soon and has done the research to say, okay, we know we can make this much money with Wonder Woman, so let's plan on making this much money with every film. So it's dramatic irony to the hilt because (laughs) they were bullish on the on the pandemic going away. <laughs> they were right. the most bullish on the pandemic going away the fastest <laughs> by putting Tenant out there. And they were humbled the hardest. And I feel bad for them. And we praised them at the time for their courage in many ways for putting Tenant out there, even though... I mean, the biggest dramatic irony in all this is Christopher Nolan's push to save theaters may have helped WB kill theaters. <laughs> right? Like, Christopher Nolan was gung-ho about getting that movie out in theaters, and Warner Brothers reluctantly did it and agreed, was was scared by the receipts, and now they're doing this. The web of cause and effect can get out <laughs> of one's control, and we're going to talk about this when uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, a.k.a. Jesse Eisenberg, creates yes. Facebook. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the Dr. Frankensteining of that little mm-hmm. endeavor. But, all right, can I do some really crude macro math here for everybody this is crude it is stupid it is terrible but here you go five movies out of this 18 film slate could be considered tent poles maybe six if you count godzilla but wonder woman dune matrix 4 suicide squad in the heights i added those budgets up to around a billion dollars mike if mm-hmm. you if you add some of them are two hundred million, some of them are one fifty. I, I think I saw Dune was one fifty. I saw Wonder Woman was two hundred back in the day, and I'm just remembering that. So let's just say that's a clean billion. Let's just say that the other, you know, twelve movies have mm-hmm. an average of forty to fifty million, and then we're basically giving them, you know, four hundred million worth of budget. So just for just for argument's sake, let's say one point four billion dollars worth of budgets. That's okay. what's going into twenty twenty one Warner Brothers and what they're putting on HBO Max. So if you say fifteen ninety nine monthly subscription price times twelve months in a year equals one hundred ninety one and change, one hundred ninety one dollars and change, you would need if you take one point four billion and you d- divide one ninety one out of that, you would need seven point three million and change in terms of year long subscriptions added to break even in this very crude math equation. So that is not. A huge number, Michael, when we consider that Disney Plus gained 13 right. million subscribers from July to October. And when we now, that only that, that's 
that's an evening out of just the production budgets, though. I mean, that doesn't take into account marketing. But even so, I mean, you're talking about a difference of, what, maybe 10 million new subscribers, which is entirely cool. And as an homage to both dad jokes and uh, your crude numbers right there, since we were supposed to be doing Fincher's The Social Network today, we were supposed to record an episode on that for our Mank miniseries, I will say a million dollars of production movie production isn't cool. You know what's cool? Almost a billion dollars of movie production now that you can see from your couch on HBO Max for 50 $15.99 a month. If you're talking about getting 10 million, 15 million new subscribers, that should be an attainable number for any serious streaming service right now in 2020, especially, again, given the pandemic. I don't think it's it's out of the realm at all. I think it's it's very doable. And I I think it's gonna work. I'll be honest with you. I think this is gonna work. If I have to bet my life on whether this works for WB and HBO Max or not, I'm betting my life that yes, this does work. But all right, we're gonna we're gonna revisit that question. Do you want to go through the film slate really, really quick, Lightning? Yeah, let's let's run down the quick the 18 films. We know Wonder Woman 84. That's one of them. That's the first one. That's debuting on Christmas Day. Here are the other 17 films that Warner Brothers highlighted today that will be their 2021 theatrical slash HBO Max slate. Okay, coming from. Denzel Washington, The Little Things, also stars Jared Leto, Rami Malek. It is a serial killer thriller mystery from writer-director John Lee Hancock uh, of The Highwaymen, which was a you know Bonnie and Clyde serial killer mystery there uh, that came. Rami out on- Malek did it. Yeah, Rami Malek did it. <laughs> anyway, that that is uh, due out on uh, at the end of January, January 29th, and it's supposed to be a fringe Oscar contender, Michael. I could see that, but I've also heard, you know, thriller killer movies Mm -hmm. with big stars like The Snowmen were supposed to be fringe Oscar movies. So let let me see it first. Anyway, I think a a safer Oscar bet is Judas and the Black Messiah. This is the Fred Hampton Black Panther FBI betrayal story starring Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, and of course our trailer superstars, just just regular superstar Oscar contender Daniel Kaluuya. (laughs) So, I mean, if you look, this is part of what's going into HBO Max. They have something for everyone. Do you want a thriller? Well, here's a new thriller starring Denzel freaking Washington. You want an Oscar contender? Here's something that's probably going to contend for an Oscar this year if it's released prior to the end of, uh, uh, what is it, January now, February? I forget off the top of my head. Too many things to keep track of when you're uh, recapping. They took it off the schedule, and they didn't yet put it on the schedule yet. But it was, yeah, our guess was that uh, February, Black History Month, uh, I think it would be obvious there, yeah. There you go. So, I mean, that could be a contender for this year alone as well. Uh, Moving on, you want to talk about a variety of different genres? Tom and Jerry, they're back. They're going to get a movie, an animated movie, coming to HBO Max on March 5th now, as well as a movie that Netflix reportedly offered to buy off of WB around Thanksgiving, which WB turned down, Godzilla vs. Kong, which made some news when WB did announce it would be debuting on HBO Max, coming out May 21st. And they were offered $200 million for it from Netflix. Netflix, allegedly so yeah. that probably inspired even more confidence uh, with what HBO is mm-hmm. doing and WB's doing now anyway number five is Mortal Kombat uh, were you going to scream it if you don't think I'm going to dress up as Sub-Zero <laughs> or Scorpion on my couch to watch that when it debuts January 15th you haven't you're dead you don't know me well I thought I knew you but I thought you would scream Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat right. 
good. I mean, it's at least you can do. I paused. That's ge- this is a dangerous rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a January fifteenth release, Michael. Uh, the sixth film is Those Who Wish Me Dead. We've kind of previewed this a couple times. This is coming from director Taylor Sheridan, former writer Taylor Sheridan, screenwriter of Heller Highwater. I think he wrote some Villeneuve movies. He wrote, um, oh God, what was that? Sicario. Sicario. My goodness. Uh, this is about assassins who are hunting a witness to a murder in the Montana woods, Michael. This is starring Angelina Jolie, uh, John Bernthal, Nicholas Holt, Aiden Gillen, and Tyler Perry. John Bernthal did it. <laughs> Probably. Uh, for horror fans, we got The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. We've previewed that a couple times already. Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson both back playing the Warrens there. That'll debut June 4th. We'll review it. Or at least right now. In the Heights, which was supposed to be part of the year of the musicals that 2020 is supposed to be. Who knew we would go from the year of the musicals to the year of death of theaters? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's going. That's scheduled right now for a June 18th release, the Lin-Manuel Miranda one. And how about this? We've never talked about this one yet. Space Jam. I'm so scared. I'm so scared, Mike. Space Jam, a new <laughs> legacy. Well, we've talked about it because we were like, this should be SpongeBob, not not yeah. Looney Tunes. SpongeBob, God, they would those make... uniforms don't look great. Right, they would make... $500 million more million if this was LeBron <laughs> and SpongeBob. Anyway, LeBron James. But look, I mean, major writing chops from Sev Ohanian, who wrote yep. Searching, and I believe Run, and then Ryan Coogler, who wrote Krieg and Black Panther. I mean, they have been on the page for this. This movie's also going to start Don Cheadle, and it's due out. Space Jam, A New Legacy is due out July 16th. And we're saying all these release dates. I wonder, too, if uh, WB is going to shake those up as well, mm-hmm. but we will see. The uh, 10th movie here is The Suicide Squad, starring Margot Robbie plus everyone. Just everyone. Literally. Everyone is in this movie. That trailer is almost annoying. The the, the character <laughs> casting role, the, the one right. that we saw at the WB yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, written and directed by James Gudd. I want to see it, but they did annoy me with that character role. It is going. I mean, they have to do. Uh, I can't, again, I, I always want to spoil what's in Deadpool 2 <laughs> because it left that big of an impression on me. But I, I, it's too soon and I feel bad. So I'm not going. But they, they may do a Deadpool 2 type thing with that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, number 11, it's called Reminiscence. That's due out April 16th. Rebecca Ferguson, Thandi Newton, Hugh Jackman, a scientist, discovers a way to relive your past and uses the technology to search for his long lost love. Johnny Depp did it first. Uh, <laughs> another one called Malignant, James Wan horror film starring Annabelle's Annabelle Wallace. Is it related to Annabelle? I wonder. Pro- <laughs> no, probably not. I think I think it's brand spanking new. They got a sword on the poster. Nobody's saying what it's about. I'm, I'm very curious. Anyway, Michael. Dune which is uh, starring everyone else that's not right. in the Suicide Squad. They're in Dune. And some people from the Suicide Squad, I'm sure. This is from Denis Villeneuve. We've wanted to see this forever. This is uh, due out next October 1st. Again, does it get moved around? We don't know. You're either in Dune, Tenant, or Suicide Squad if you're in Hollywood. Yeah. Or you were in Avengers Endgame, and you don't really right. have to work anymore because you were. Right, exactly. Anyway, The Many Saints of Newark. This is number 14. This is the Sopranos, Tony Soprano origin story starring... Michael Gandolfini, which almost makes me tear up to know that the oh son God. is yeah. starring in I his dad's bi- you know, origin story there. It also stars Leslie Odom Jr., Ray Liotta, and that was going to be hitting theaters March 12th. Oh, I guess it's still hitting theaters March 12th, The Many Saints of Newark. When Many Saints of Newark was announced, do you think Ray Liotta bothered making a phone call, or did he just watch his phone and wait for it to ring for somebody to hit him up and ask him to be part of it? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think he expected 
to yeah, be a part I, of it, I do and too. he expected correctly, <laughs> and I think he was getting ready to be a part of it when he was uh, a lawyer in Marriage Story. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Great, great character there, too. Love it. Uh, King Richard is something we both picked. Hey, Mike, remember when we were young and foolish and had a uh, Oscars year in preview episode? Boy, those were the days. It's like five uh, years Richard. ago now. That's right. I <laughs> I, we should go back and just relive that for comedy's sake at this point. But <laughs> King Richard was on that show. We both picked it a couple times and talked about it there. But that's Venus and Serena Williams' origin story, starring Will Smith as their father, Richard Williams. Uh, Anjanou Ellis, John Bernthal, Dylan McDermott in that as well, scheduled to come out November 19th in theaters and on HBO Max. We have Cry Macho, which sounds like it's straight out of my nightmares, directed <laughs> and starring Clint Eastwood, a one-time <laughs> rodeo star, and washed up horse breeder takes a job blah 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 you've heard enough from me (laughs) i put the whole premise there you don't even want to read it no yeah he makes friends with a horse on there's there's the word on their journey on here i've i've had enough i get it all right oh that's why you can't watch the nest it's it's a lot about horses (laughs) i was gonna recommend the nest to you i was gonna be like hey you know what's a really strong b plus like Carrie Coon and oh Jude Law he's great and it's a mature story about marriage it's from IFC and we're all loving IFC these days I can't it's uh, you just reminded me you hate horses <laughs> good good the 17th or 18th film here is the Matrix 4 and this is directed by Lana Wachowski this is starring uh returning Matrix Matrix cast members from the original trilogy Keanu Reeves Carrie Ann Moss and I think from Revolutions Jada Pinkett Smith maybe the last two I can't remember if she's in two or three of those but i mean they're adding yaya abdul mateen priyanka uh chopra jonas jonathan groth neil patrick harris just to name a few this is all coming directly to hbo max my god what do you think keanu reeves has been up to these days i don't hear much about him anymore um so yeah this will be the day the theaters die this is I'm still not over it, Mike. That slate, you have not only tent poles, like you said, you have not only blockbusters, you have some niche pictures, you have Oscar contenders, you have Clint Eastwood in a horse, you have pretty much something for animated movies around there, you have something for everyone, and movie theaters went from this exchange of, okay, Universal is going to negotiate with every big movie theater chain and have this 17-day theatrical window to not even, what, two months later, WB comes and just throws dynamite on the whole thing, which we prophesized may have may happen when Wonder Woman was being flirting with putting on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But to have it go from something that may have happened to something that now has happened and is going to directly impact theaters within the span of really two weeks, I think, at this point, between when Wonder Woman was announced to go on HBO Max to when we're talking about everything going on HBO Max... It's 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 really a lot to take all at once. As Ron Burgundy said, that escalated quickly. <laughs> it really did, man. It's un- yeah. I mean, Christ, WB stabbed theaters in the heart with a trident. I am really worried for movie theaters, and we're going to get to that burning question. But I, I, maybe movie theaters survive because maybe this does not work with w, for, for WB, Mike. Can we play a little devil's advocate for a second? I mean, is there a world where WB does not make their money back for this slate, this slate of 17 films, 18 films that are going to hit over the course of the next year? Do some people not buy this? Is there any way? Okay. 
just speaking numerically, if you have a 12 months worth of films and we just rattled off 18, let's include Wonder Woman in there, okay? You have a film coming out basically every three weeks. A major a new, studio blockbuster A new major film, yeah. movie, right. I can't imagine WB goes forward announcing the entire slate unless they were fairly damn sure, like I said earlier, one the people are going to be around to be available in their homes, uh, AKA they think the pandemic is still going to be going on Two, They don't think there's going to be much competition in terms of theatrical releases against them. And three, they're going to make their money back on this. I mean, maybe the only thought I had is maybe WB was concerned about how packed the 2021 theatrical release window was getting with every studio pushing stuff back to 2021. Do you think there's any merit there or no? Well, if they are scared of, the 2021 log jam in terms of other studios, they still could have just pushed things back. I mean, I, I think with the right. log jam of productions, right. That you could rationalize, just keep pushing things off. I don't think that's necessarily the deal breaker that they're going to have too much competition in theaters, unless maybe they're thinking that even if theaters return to like 70% of normal business, then yeah, a, a, a more competitive field is a, a another kind of disaster, and maybe their maybe their analytics are saying that much. So Mike, that that's a loss weeks, for everybody though. Two weeks ago, I said, "Oh, is this the start of a new tradition where we're going to have streaming services releasing a big movie on Christmas every year? We're getting a movie every three weeks from Warner Brothers." Well, let's play devil's advocate for a second because we yes. just did some film promotion and we talked about each one of their films. I, I want to mention this. Like, for the people that go to the movies, and I don't know why they'd be listening to our podcast. We seem to have crazy movie fans that listen to our <laughs> podcast anyway. But if there, are, if there are, you know, movie fans out there listening to that slate and they're saying, all right, I will see or I want to see three of those movies in theaters or five of those movies in theaters. And instead of paying $191, I'll pay $60 and I'll just go to the movies those six times or those five times. And I don't need the $15 a month. I don't need the rest of the library. I can wait. I can wait until it spreads out. I can wait until I find it elsewhere. Or maybe I'll wait until I subscribe to HBO Max for two months and I'll watch the new movies and then I'll get out. I mean, people might game this system and maybe it doesn't work for WBB. Maybe they are just too far gone and they can't, can never catch up to Netflix and, and Disney Plus. And how wrong am I for saying that? Uh, when you were talking about that, I immediately thought of what we were just talking about with the restrictions in the Canadian market. And maybe that's by choice. Maybe they want to force every international market WB does to have to go back to theaters, despite the fact that there's a pandemic going on, which is you know <laughs> kind of insidious and, and very shady and probably irresponsible. But I, that, I, 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 they do get a majority of the box office for those bigger movies, certainly from international. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they don't see themselves as competitors to Disney Plus. They maybe they do genuinely and earnestly want to walk this tightrope between being both a streaming provider and also somebody big in the theatrical markets. I, I just don't see how you can have. It to me, it's wanting to be half pregnant. Yeah. I mean, you're either one or the other, I, I think. you. I don't think you can rely on splitting what would be one revenue stream two different ways like that. Hmm. It seems foolish to me. Yeah, I, I wonder if they're almost hoping that uh, international feeders block them and then they'll just say, yeah, we're releasing HBO Max worldwide and all of these movies are going yeah. straight there. 
Maybe. Da- maybe. They're just daring maybe. people to say, all right, yeah, we, you can't use movie theaters. And they're like, all right, that variable out of the equation. Here's a worldwide launch of HBO Max. Here's, you know, enough incentive for everybody to have us. And then they can totally wipe their hands clean of, of having any guilt about not being able to step in and save theaters, right? Right. I mean, you guys told us you didn't want us. What can we do? We already tried to save theaters and we couldn't right. do it. We were the most ballsy in trying to save right. theaters and it hurt us. And we're obviously hurting and therefore we are making the move in the opposite direction. I don't know who got fired or what the hell happened, but my goodness, mm. the math looks like it would work. And I did very crude math and it looks like it would work. I mean, with 7 million year-long subscribers. I mean, last time when I talked about the Warner Brothers math and the Wonder Woman math, I was looking at three-month numbers. I was looking at six-month basic mathematical numbers, and it was still very doable to get 10 million subscribers and, and or whatever, however many million I, I came up with. I don't, even, I don't even think it was 10 million. Anyway, the subscriber gains, if you do apples to apples with disney plus here i I think it's 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 very doable and if you look at the slates that they have and the libraries that they have and that the new movies that they have i mean disney plus was growing with onward coming there a little earlier with artemis fowl coming there a little you know coming there instead artemis not wonder woman right yeah this is wonder woman this is uh matrix four this is major box office this is major you know these are draws these are this is must see you know, movie going for anybody that loves movies. So I'm thinking that this is going to work. I, whether or not I think it is, and I'm with you, I do think it will work. Whether or not my thoughts, I have to believe WB thinks it's going to work. Like they have to have done their homework already because it makes no sense to plan a year out. And I guess, is it actually going to be a year is another question we could talk about, but let's move on and talk about maybe an underrated or maybe a secondary opponent that WB seems to be targeting with this, Mike. Well, I came up with this question because I've been asking myself, you know, this question over the last few months. Should I buy a PVOD rental for twenty dollars? I mean, we we've been mm-hmm. getting screeners. We're very grateful for that, but we haven't been asking for screeners for everything, and we haven't been given screeners for everything. So we're mm-hmm. still consumers out there in the marketplace with Absolutely. our streaming services with PVOD. And yeah, I have been asking myself: Should I watch his house on Netflix with my usual subscription, or should I buy Horror Movie X? I mean, mm-hmm. basically, does this move from WB? complicate the market and screw the market of pvod for universal in particular because you can watch happiest season or run instead of buying let them go or free next week's freaky at twenty dollars per i mean i watched let them go and i kind of regretted it and i was happier to watch happiest season and run on hulu so i mean now that hbo max adds these major big budget studio films like netflix does to their your regularly scheduled streaming price does the a la carte pvod at the high prices does that go away because yeah i'll still spend four dollars i might even spend eight dollars on ifc's new movie yeah. but am i spending twenty dollars on the kevin costner film yeah. that i only half really need to watch or do i instead watch something on hbo max or netflix and what does that do to the independent market too i mean the, those ones that are finding success that need to be sold for twenty dollars or eight dollars through ifc films on pvod as well i think and we talked about this before we hit record I, we're gonna get to a point in this country mm-hmm. as far as consumership and consuming of entertainment 
sometime when this pandemic is over and let's say conservatively 2034 oh no at, at some point when the pandemic is over in this country there's going to be a point where everybody is going to look at their bill their cable bill <laughs> it, i mean i know a lot of people don't have cable totally their cable bill versus their streaming bill and they're going to say you know okay if i can take 50 percent off every month i'm going to eliminate either cable or i'm going to eliminate some of the streaming networks and i think the streaming networks are just buffering buffing themselves up to kind of get ready for that head-to-head clash. Mm-hmm. You're basically going to have to make a decision between, am I okay getting rid of my nightly news and my local news networks and all of this? And I know, obviously, there's some options to get the local news through the streaming networks, but I'm just speaking in generalities. Am I okay getting rid of my nightly news, or am I okay getting rid of every WB movie that's right. going to be available on HBO Max? You know, I think that decision day is coming at some point soon. I think it's come already for a lot of folks, yeah. like, like you I referred agree. to, and I think it is coming... If it hasn't come yet, it is coming soon for everybody where they're going to have to pick and choose. It's going to happen. I mean, it's they're, they're not us where they have to see everything from everywhere right. and they spend like ridiculous. Like we don't have offspring. We don't have, we have the disposable right. whatever. To be, we still or even if we don't, we we have to. So we do. And Maybe we'll get more screeners and maybe we'll get more legit and maybe we won't have to spend as much money as we're spending now. But we are both spending a lot of money right now that most regular people probably do not have to spend and do not opt to spend. I mean, Christ, I mean, we we did uh, film festival dollar buys, too. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, if I'm asking the question, though, here's the thing. If I'm asking the question, should I spend $20 on Let Them Go or should I just watch a movie on Netflix, then everybody's asking that question out there because you and I are, again, we're overspending. Right, right. That's definitely something that's uh, it's going to come to a head at some point with this. I absolutely agree. Another question, mm-hmm. as far as coming to a head and as far as WB kind of playing it coy here, they say it multiple times. This is a 12-month experiment. But there's no way this isn't permanent if they find success with it, right? Well, and by success, I mean bottom line success, not an avoidance of critical derision or disdain. Again, there's a lot of variables. There is a possible subscriber bubble. There is viewing habits to take in consideration. You know, that's the whole big question with movie theaters, right? I mean, if people go back to their movie going habits, no matter what they're watching at home, then movie theaters will be able to survive and maybe it'll become a more of a niche business or maybe they'll have to adjust, but they'll survive. If people basically take their watch at home viewing habits and they stick with those after the pandemic for a variety and a myriad of reasons, or maybe the pandemic goes longer, God help us, <laughs> then those, I mean, those are variables that could lengthen this 12-month experiment or could screw it up you know, because HBO Max is not only competing with cable, they're not only competing with other streaming services, they're not only competing with movie theaters, but they're competing with all of them, right? And the p- picking and choosing what people are spending on in their entertainment budgets, that c- that has multiple directions. So, I And maybe that goes back to the answer of why are they doing this now? Maybe they figure, look, we're not going to have an inflection point or a tipping point to decide whether or not we do this beyond this year until some vaccine is widespread right and the majority of people are vaccinated and life has returned to some semblance of normalcy out there so we might as well just announce that at least we're doing 2021 and we can kind of pick up and gauge from that point on because look i mean netflix's numbers are 193 right oh my god and disney plus's numbers is 73 million subscribers and 
HBO Max is at the measly 8 million activate, a- activated subscribers right now. So, you know, whatever happens with the pandemic, you, you got to figure the upside is now. Right, it's now. Mm-hmm. You got to get people's eyes, streaming eyes now. Otherwise, you are in big, big trouble when you're competing yeah. with all these other factors later on, and when they have more chips at the poker table. Because we know Netflix profits are legion. We know Disney's profits. Maybe they're making up for other businesses not doing any business right now. But we know Disney Plus is making buku bucks. So mm. by those, by the macro math that we did do, Michael. It looks like if they add 10 million year-long subscribers based on this slate, they will make money, and therefore they can fund more movies to put into HBO Max. Again, are they dealing with losses because of their library buys and because of their original programming buys? I don't know. I have to figure if they come to it, they've done their homework, they think this is going to work, they think they can make enough on the bottom line uh, this way, as opposed to if they did straight theatrical releases. I have to figure if this is a financial success for them, if they can get even close to the same. And don't forget, again, the revenue is a different cut. Mm-hmm. You're 50-50 with theaters versus right now, I mean, this is going to be 100%. Everything that isn't spent on theatric, everything they, every sub from HBO Max is money Warner Brothers keeps 100% of themselves in-house. I have to figure if those financials come out kind of even, kind of in a wash, yeah. this is going to be what they go forward with. My guess is that if we look at HBO Max having 50 million activated subscribers at the end of all this, yeah, then they're going to be fine. It's and a big absolutely, big they them. will yeah. keep doing this. Um, we're an Oscars podcast, first and foremost, <laughs> or at least we thought we were at some point when that was still a thing. So next question are these films still Oscars eligible? I mean, it seems like they are, right? But if HBO Max, if Warner Brothers keeps this up, I know there's some people thinking Warner Brothers, Oscars, tee-hee. Well, <laughs> take your criticism aside, you, you know, I get it. But anyway, I'm asking the question. If this is the future of film, are, are these movies all Oscars eligible? According to the rules this year, absolutely yes. They had, you know, they had a plan to be in theaters. They can all prove that plan. They've all been moved around how many times, each one of these projects. Mm. So, of course, they meet the Academy standards based on... For this year. For this year. Going forward, yeah, I mean, you'd have to ask Netflix, Disney+, and HBO Max, on the one hand, how much do they care about putting their blockbusters at the Oscars? And that's well, another yeah, question. I, I think, and I think yeah, the I Oscars would bend before the mm-hmm. streaming services would mm-hmm. bend. We've seen that happen before. For obvious reasons, and the Emmys That's and Oscars exactly the point. differentiation and distinguishing uh, features are getting less and less. I mean, it's almost like we're almost looking at length as being a distinguishing feature at some point. Uh, you, I was trying to interject there because you were taking the words right out of my mouth, and I was afraid I wouldn't have nothing to say. I think it's going to come down to what the Academy chooses to respond to, and I cannot imagine the Academy is going. We've seen them already cow to Netflix so much. We know Disney basically owns their airing rights right now, not basically, literally, owns their airing rights as far as being shown on ABC. So there's no reason to think the Academy is going to choose to go butt heads with any major streaming service. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to. Too many people are contractually obligated to those networks that are in the Academy. The industry was going towards Watch at Home anyway, and the streaming numbers that Netflix has made and the profits that Disney Plus has made, of course, they're all going this way. We, we recognize that. Movie theaters are going to have to figure themselves out on top of all this at this point. Anyway, 
this is kind of a question that we've asked in other ways. But number five, Mike, is does this officially start the streaming wars? I mean, basically, I'm asking here is does HBO Max have to take subscribers away from Disney Plus or Netflix mm. for them to add subscribers? Or, I mean, I mean, this is a better question for like uh, who are the pe- people at Nielsen? Maybe you know, I mean, will yeah. wh- when does this sub bubble? burst when does it keep growing for obvious reasons are people starved for more content right now especially big movie content could the oscars boost this up i mean you were talking about oscar eligibility i mean why wouldn't hbo max especially at the launch of this new hbo max with all these big movies on it why wouldn't they move things up back into the oscar schedule to get more eyes on some of those properties why wouldn't they do that with king richard coming in late coming in hot you know in february because Mm. king richard has supporting actress just no brainers in there and will smith could maybe come back why wouldn't they do that uh, in this particular circumstance why why do they have to have king richard be at the 2022 oscars I was thinking, I mean, that's a great point and not something I put any thought into because when you brought this up as far as this, this kicking off the streaming wars, as far as Nielsen or whoever, I think I think that's a great point. I also think you would want to know what the median household, you know, what is the, the median number that every American household is comfortable paying with for in-home entertainment? Mm-hmm. What's the monthly price that they're okay with? Because you're going to have to, again, that that tipping point is coming, especially when the pandemic is ever over. And if Warner is aware that day is coming, then it would make total sense. You're absolutely right to front load this calendar and put out your Oscar contenders now, even though they weren't supposed to be put out right now, or you told people they weren't, or maybe put out the big summer blockbuster, put Dune in, you know, June or July, which hopefully would be towards the end of this God awful pandemic happening right. in this country. So I, I think there's a lot to that, and it's a fascinating thought. Uh, the way I look at HBO, I mean, maybe I'm making a completely asinine assumption here, but HBO Max has been catering towards adults for the most part, right? Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. I think that no, I think that's fanboy adults with DC. You know, even their animated stuff, even their quote unquote kid stuff, it's all the Cartoon Network Adult Swim stuff. It's all the anime. Yeah. It's all the stuff that you and I love. That's why, why we love their channel. I mean, Criterion stuff, the WB slate goes obviously across the four quadrants, but Disney's angled at kids, and you can see the imperative for that subscriber number. Millions of people's got kids, and they got kids watching Disney Plus. And Netflix is a four quadrant appeal, but this is. This is HBO trying to get adults subscribed. HBO Max trying to get adults subscribed and activated. And a lot of their old (laughs) prestige TV watching subscribers are just watching HBO instead of going to Max right now. So why wouldn't they put more Oscar contenders on HBO Max in the winter to get those people to finally come over? I mean, again, hire us, HBO. Hire us. We got the the moves. I also wonder if you what you just described is how this is going to end up breaking down. And we've talked so much about how Netflix is the home and seems to be the future of independent cinema, right? Mm-hmm. Or auteur-driven cinema, certainly. And that's what they're going to shell out big money to have big-time directors and co- chase Oscars and whatever. You know, is CBS going to nestle into their Nickelodeon, 
folder that they have or kids going to go to CBS All Access and are people with kids going to go to Disney Plus because obviously that's catered more towards kids. If you're an adult and you grew up with HBO and you're a little more tech savvy now, you're in your 20s to 40s and this is kind of what you grew up with and you grew up with Cartoon Network, are you going to be driven to HBO Max or is this kind of, are they going to create all these different streaming services going to create more programming catered towards those individual sectors and is there enough dollars out there to support that? I, I, I do wonder how this is all going to break down. And I mean, that's not information we'll have for another probably 25 years to be able to analyze. So, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. But I, I'm thinking they should make moves with their Oscar slate, WB. It makes a ton of sense. Because- I mean, it's nothing I had thought of, but it, just, it really just makes a lot of sense. I don't see why they wouldn't. And it's going to only maximize their eyes, I would they, think. Number one, they've had experience with Clint Eastwood movies every year with the late breakers, so they know how to mm-hmm. they know how to campaign those. Even though nobody knows how to campaign anything in a pandemic, I'm sure they're they're all trying to figure things out. But they know how to campaign late breakers based on other Oscar campaigns. They know they got a long run up. They got months in advance, and maybe they may they won't make deadlines or they'll make deadlines late with uh, with critics groups, and maybe they already missed SAG. But I still think that they know how to market these late breakers and they could they could handle things uh, at the last second because they've done it before. So with the time of the four months here, if they get it in under the wire and they have Sundance kind of to relaunch something, if they really wanted to, to do the grassroots campaign mm-hmm. route, again, we've talked about that how a myriad of number of times. I keep saying myriad. That's like my new favorite word. Anyway, we've talked about <laughs> it a million times lately because we, we're repetitive. We're repetitive bastards. We keep repeating ourselves. <laughs> you can use Sundance. That's what I wanted to say. I, and they can, they can totally make it work. Yeah, I mean, the option is definitely out there for them. I agree. And I think this was a question I asked in the Wonder Woman episode, and it's more prevalent now as well, obviously, with the whole slate going. But if this works, why wouldn't every studio connected to a streaming network just do this? If if WB finds this to be financially viable... Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't Paramount just do this? I mean, Lord knows CBS All Access could use the subscribers as well. You know, why wouldn't why wouldn't every studio just turn to what they have in house? Why wouldn't Universal turn to their X, uh, Peacock Network or Xfinity in house and just keep all the money for themselves if they feel they have the high enough the the quality enough pictures? Well, I was trying to think about it in th- these terms too. Like there are ceiling raisers and there are floor raisers. I wonder. You know, like Disney Plus, they're looking for ceiling raisers right now. Obviously, Netflix is looking for ceiling raisers right now. We're, we have HBO Max making this kind of move f- to get the floor raised in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's even possible to get the floor raised for Peacock or CBS All Access, which is going to become Paramount Network or whatever that's going to become, yeah. streaming service. I wonder right. if it's worth it to them for this award season to make that move because you know the floor raising is it's a huge commitment it's leaving a lot of dollars on the table and you know how much maybe. does that floor I mean get maybe raised? it is we don't we don't know that it definitely is leaving a lot of dollars on the table mm-hmm. domestically i mean that's the whole gamble that's kind of the genesis of what wb's hedging on right now is that they can be well off financially enough that they're not leaving that many dollars on the table and if that's the case mm-hmm then theaters are probably antiquated. So that's the sixth question here, Mike. How is this not a death knell for movie yeah. theaters? And we've been trying to make we've been trying to make the devil's advocate argument. I, I guess I'll I'll keep going down that road for a second here, if you'd allow me. 
international theaters are still getting the exclusivity. So their markets mm-hmm. are still kind of strong. We've seen that. We've referenced as much with something like Peninsula and South Korea to multiple $500 million blockbusters in China. And just that market alone has done very well. We, we realize that the dark winter is, is coming for Europe and, and Asia and, and overseas in general. But, I mean, if this is truly a one-year commitment, can theaters in the U.S. survive by closing their doors for a certain amount of time and those chains are buoyed up by profits overseas and they get a bigger cut for the limited business they get over here? Can they hold out? That's the million-dollar question. I mean, that's I, I'm trying so hard to think to to sell myself on the idea that AMC isn't just blustering right now. They're not just posturing for posture's sake. And I mean, not that I would think any corporation would release hundreds of millions of extra stock if they didn't actually believe in something. But I, I God, I don't see the bright side. Let's say the pandemic leaves or is vaccinated, whatever. It's gone. And. At some point in 2021, if you can go to the theaters without any worries whatsoever again, I'm just thinking of myself. If I can sit at home on my big screen, on my comfortable couch, with my clean bathroom, with my dog, and just watch a new movie, I'm not going to watch it at home and then say, wow, that was really good. Now I'll go out and see it for a second time in theaters. I'm not going to do that. And it's not even the Netflix model where you can watch something three weeks in advance. Right. Right. You know, I, look, I, I'll, I go to movie theaters more than anybody. I'm just going to say that. Maybe other than Kobe Mac, I go to movie <laughs> theaters more than anybody. More than you, more than anybody. And, you know, I ask myself the same question. And I, I would be tempted for something like Wonder Woman to say I need to, you know, Mikey does Dolby there right. with Kobe if I ever could. <laughs> but, I mean, I would love I would love to see that in theaters, period, end of story. I'm really glad I saw Tenant a couple times in theaters. That's That was super exciting. And I want to see some of these big production values like Dune in theaters no matter what. But something else like Those Who Wish Me Dead, do I need to right. see that in theaters? I wonder if this is just another blow to independent cinema more so than anything. Well, we we said they were on the front lines. Uh, they were first on, you know, obviously all, all the... I mean, not I independent theaters, not independent exhibitors, but I mean independent movie making, you know? Because I, I feel like this is going to dry up outlets for them. They're going to have to end up selling to a streaming service. We've seen indie movie theaters move towards... Or indie movies and the movie theaters be impacted by streaming. We've seen it, period. I mean, Neon. Mm. I, like, I mean, look at the big boutiques... Like Neon and A24, they're starting to work with Hulu and Apple, respectively. So we've, we've seen that. We've seen Blumhouse start to work with Amazon like crazy. So we've seen, you know, those are the, you know, not the mid-majors, but I forget how they're classified. But we, we've seen that happening. There's no doubt. And as far as independent exhibitors go, mm-hmm. uh, those uh, people who don't have a foothold in an international market. Yeah, you've got to go in with the mafia. That's your only yeah. chance. <laughs> No, I mean, we, we've joked and even about that doesn't work because my podunk theater is closed. Right. So the mafia was like, we can't lie to the IRS anymore. No, I look, I, I think Pamela McClintock, she wrote something in that THR article that maybe could put a bow on this. And we, we have a lot of more questions and answers right now. But she said, Warner Brothers stresses that these are pandemic only rules. But once something is broken, can you really put it back together? Again? Once you give people something, you cannot take it away. 
Right. It's so hard to take something away that you've given to someone, quote unquote, for free. You know, again, you know, it's not necessarily for free, but we're almost fooled into believing it is, right? I mean, can you, well, Mike, what's your streaming per month number? Well, yeah, how much I, are you spending I, on t- You don't know. I don't no know. Clue. We don't know. No clue. No clue. no clue. It's probably a lot. It's probably embarrassing. I do want to say, though, I do think there is some opportunity for, again, something I've been warning people of this entire time. I mean, can you imagine if you are Amazon or Walmart or Apple or some giant conglomerate whose whole business isn't movies, and in the last four months, you've had the gigantic barriers to entry of the Paramount decrees, and now this, basically what we think anyway, what we speculate may severely injure theaters. Right. You had those two barriers within the span of four months completely wiped away. I mean, there's an opportunity for Apple to come in, buy up a bunch of independent theaters for pennies on the dollar now. Yep. And completely change and revolutionize whatever the exhibition experience is going to be, however they see fit. If Amazon wants to, like you've been saying all along for nine months, they can't. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing stopping them now. There's literally, I mean, they could do it without even breaking a sweat. What's a theater going to be worth at the end of 2021? You know, I mean, it's just, it's terrifying. Coffee money, me. Coffee money. It's a, it's like the (laughs) social network. It's it's a mere, (laughs) pay them off. It's a mere speed bump. It's a mere parking ticket. Yeah, it really is, man. I mean, it's a speeding ticket. Rashida Jones said, I love that. We were supposed to talk about that movie today. This happened. <laughs> oh, oh God. my God. Well, uh, we, we tried to get the questions and the analysis out there as best we can, but obviously we have, like Mike said, more questions than answers, and we're sure you have questions about this as well. Uh, if you have any insight, any thoughts, or just more questions, we want to hear them from you, dear listener. What were your thoughts about when you first heard this news? What do you think happens to theaters? What do you think happens to PVOD? And is the streaming wars officially kicked off? Is it a race for second place? Is Netflix kind of just still laughing as they always are to everyone's face? Uh, let us know your thoughts you can leave us those as well as any other comments questions concerns or thoughts you have about anything else we do here in the mmo empire on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on the twitter machine mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially the apple podcast app if you happen to be listening to us on the apple podcast app we cannot thank you enough uh if you would be so kind as to go into the apple podcast app tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review it would take all of about 10 seconds out of your day and make our entire one michael terrifying confusing (laughs) adjective 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 as we've had to try to digest this in the short span that we've had this news break to us i mean this news literally broke like what less than four hours ago at this point and we've spent over an hour recording this so uh, we're trying to catch up to it what are some words of wisdom to end on and what's coming next from us Words of wisdom are going to have to dawn on me very quickly here because I have nothing left. We kind of ad-libbed this entire episode yeah. over the last you – know, maybe we we kind of scooped something together last second. So if we sounded like numbskulls today or if we have to retract things, you know, again, don't be too harsh. This was a breaking news episode. This was a live reaction, yeah. immediate reactions episode. So maybe be nice 
to us. We're trying to get it out there fast. Come uh, out and it actually is just we spoke Mandarin this whole time. We just didn't even realize it just blacked out. We didn't actually hit record. And <laughs> oh, I'm God. Don't nobody. even. With the luck we've been having lately, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, the luck we were having delayed our Mank miniseries. Yeah. And we're going to be slightly tardy on that for you guys. But at the same time, like, we think they're film studies that are worth your listening whenever you get to them. And even if for sure. it's not immediately once you see Mank to listen to our Mank study there but we're gonna really doing our homework but studying that movie over the last few weeks uh we studied the hell out of the social network and we do have another mank connection to that we're gonna talk about the fincher's father and son and how you know jack fincher works into uh david fincher's filmography and when mank was supposed to be made last i mean all of that is a production story that we'll get into at the beginning of the social network before we we get into mank with a special guest and the fincher award show with another special guest we think we hope musical chairs i don't know i really hope we can keep all our dates going forward we got the prom we got ma rainey we got the netflix slate and who knows we may get a wb slate uh in addition to to wonder woman happening soon on max i mean like what what like what's the response apple tv is gonna they decide they're gonna nuke a country like what's the what we gotta (laughs) it's up to the business too they gotta slow down with this stuff all right gotta be fair to us podcasters we have schedules we have to adhere to you know is right that'll be the words of wisdom (laughs) be you know if you're a major conglomerate out there be nicer to the podcasters please (laughs) christ have some decency no i uh, look as the news keeps breaking guys we're gonna keep do our best to break it all down for you and and uh, keep asking the questions and hopefully at some point we'll get answers all together but until then when reality sucks or you have questions about the industry you can come ask them with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness and apparently with the breaking news we'll see you all very soon see you